What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Sir, it's the bat phone. Yes, Commissioner. Batman. We'll be right there. Biff, bam, pal. This is Batman Land. Be careful. Maybe a trap. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. We're Batman and Robin, the crime fighters. We discuss the episodes to air this week on SBS of Iceland. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm an editor here at SBS. And if you're lost, you can look and you will find him. It's my co-host, Nick Bassini. Let's go, Robin. I ate too many enchiladas for lunch, Dan. Got a lot of energy. A lot of energy. Oh, fantastic. And if you fall, he will catch you. He'll be waiting. It's Wednesday Drive to SER presenter, Mick Rad... How do I pronounce his surname? Radojkovic. Radojkovic. But people okay. just call me Mick Rad because it's much easier and it sounds cooler. I think Radojkovic sounds cooler. Does it? Radojkovic? <laughs> yeah, it Radojkovic. does. Radojkovic. Everyone asked if I could speak another language when I started here. And, and can you? I cannot. <laughs> I'm half Hungarian, quarter Serbian, quarter German, but I can't speak any of them. And Radojkovic, where's that from? Is that the Hungarian Serbian? Serbian. Serbian. My yeah. grandfather, yeah. Now, in the introduction, I was obviously alluding to the great Cindy Lauper classic, Time mm. After Time. Right. we're dealing with time quite heavily in these two part oh, episodes. Oh, are we ever? <laughs> it's something special. Now, I don't know, maybe there was a knob of a skeleton key turned, but I don't remember what I've experienced. Did you say a knob of a skeleton key? A knob or a skeleton key. Oh, I, oh, I see. Maybe I said knob of a skeleton key. Yep. Okay. In which case, you know, that's quite a skeleton. No, no, I, I knew exactly what you meant. Yeah. But anyway, I don't remember what happened. Mick. Oh, oh, Mick. Uh, Mick and Nick, this is going to come oh, too much. This is going to get weird. <laughs> it is. I'll just look at who you're looking at. <laughs> Nick, could you please do us the honors and remind us what the heck happened this week on Batman? So at the beginning, the Joker is committing very inconsequential crimes, just random weird crimes and laughing about it for no reason. <laughs> He wants a key. Famous jeweled key of Kane Cardine. He hypnotizes Batman and Robin at some point and takes a key. Holy key ring. Then he unhypnotizes them and runs out. What happened? I'm not sure. Then he hypnotizes them again, or he tries to, but Batman and Robin <laughs> have taken pellets. From our bat capsule dispensary. And they avoid getting hypnotized. And then they fight. The Joker gets away, sets a trap and is about to murder Batman with a spinning blade and spray Robin with wax, but they get away. I'd say I got you out of that spray wax chamber in the nick of time. The Joker has a key that speeds up and stops time in very specific areas somehow. Extortion via time. Alfred switches himself into his twin cousin's security guard outfit. Take up them specs, and we do look a little alike. To help Batman and capture the Joker. He turns the Joker and his henchmen backwards in time, and they just kind of step backwards. And then uh, the henchwoman is turned into a little girl who says mommy for some reason. Super creepy. A bit too much. Batman and Robin beat the Joker and his henchmen up. There was a moment where I thought the woman was going to get to hit someone, but it didn't happen. Here's the thing. I'm willing to accept a lot of implausibility, but there needs to be an internal logic. I don't understand what was happening with the time travel at all, because it was supposedly a hypnotism taking place, which fair enough if we're in our proximity of that box, but you're looking at like Aunt Harriet, who's on the other side of Gotham in stately Wayne Manor, hanging out with the girls, taking them around parts of the building she's not supposed to be in, and thankfully she didn't get that far because the Joker turned the button, proving that maybe he's the hero that Gotham deserves. What would she have found if she had walked in there? Well, probably like a bust of What's Shakespeare. In there? But there's nothing incredible. Oh, the bat phone is out there in the open, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's just like the bat phone. There's the button that you can turn to reveal some poles. And Why don't they what hide the bat? Harriet and the ladies are sliding down those poles. Who knows what they're going to find? This is a family show. 
It doesn't make sense. Why is the bat phone sitting out when everything else is hidden? Yeah, why not hide the bat phone? That's ridiculous. How does he target these places? How, how does he know that in the Commissioner Gordon's office, the time is being turned backwards? How does he know? He doesn't. This is the internal logic of this episode, Nick. <laughs> oh, man. That was very I used time weird. travel and watched this episode multiple times because I just couldn't get it. I couldn't make sense of what was going on. And did you get there? No. No, no I'm still not there. This is why I'm looking forward to like, seeing what you guys thought. Oh, look, we've got no answers for you. We're going to bumble through this here podcast. <laughs> Speaking of bumbling, that takes me to Dick Grayson. The episode opens with Dick learning a lesson about the Rock of Gibraltar. As Bruce ends up advising him, it is the key to the Mediterranean, and there should be a key note of his paper. It yeah. seems like they're trying to say something. <laughs> I don't understand why some of these episodes fixate on it's just an object, and they make that a big theme, like uh, like they're in the writer's room saying, okay, this, this week it's uh, toilet paper. We just got to say toilet paper a lot. Everything ties in with toilet paper. Well, it's about the metaphor. Interesting Batman 1966 fact there's no writer's room. So oh, the entire right. series was produced pretty much by writers just at home and they're just sending in scripts from wherever. So they're just kind of looking around the room and writing episodes based on whatever they see. Chair, There's a chair episode, there's my keys, yeah. there's my um, dog. Look over, see a cookbook. It's like giant cookbook yeah, in cookbook, the episode. Yeah, giant cookbook. Yeah. 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 And I think the big thing of this episode, it doesn't seem to have originally been a Joker episode. No, that's what I was thinking as well, because you've got all the puns taking place. There's riddles. There's riddles all the way through it. Yeah. That's not the Joker. Like, it, this this is a riddle episode through and through. Yeah. Well, I've actually found that in Joker episodes, there are a lot of clues and riddles. Not and to this extent, Almost though. interchangeable with the, with the Riddler. Yeah, I think it's just mostly just... You. They both laugh whenever they say something. First of all, <laughs> you never trust anyone that laughs at his own jokes. <laughs> no. Never. Oops, don't trust me then. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> what was that sly look at our producer Jeremy for? He laughs at his own jokes. Yeah, he does a bit, doesn't he? All yeah. the time. Something shifty about that guy. Lame. What an unpleasant innuendo. But yeah, it was, so it was the first Joker appearance of season two, and it does feel like it's supposed to be a Riddler episode. The first one? Yeah. He How many been, episodes in are we? Probably like about 12 episodes in, 12 villains in. Okay. And the Riddler doesn't appear in this season, right? No. So I think there was some sort of contractual dispute that was taking place between yeah. Frank Gorshin and the <laughs> producers. Wow. So he doesn't appear this season, except I think he makes an appearance, but it's John Aston from the uh, Adams family. Oh, yeah. There's a new what? Riddler. The father? Yeah. Gomez Adams. He's the Riddler in this season? He plays the Riddler. That's not confusing for the kids? No, but <laughs> Frank Gorshin comes back. Um, Extra confusing. Interesting John Aston facts beyond the fact that he's what just is this, John Aston. Roseanne? Um, just hold on. John Aston facts. Sean Aston, who people know from great films like uh, the movie Toy Soldiers, as well as those Lord of the Rings movies. Goonies. Mm-hmm. Goonies. Goonies. Uh, that's his son. Get the hell out of here. Sean wow. Aston is the son of the guy that plays Gomez Adams True on the facts. original Adams family. It's there. That's unbelievable. Presume- Podcast over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I presume he had him later in life, but it's a thing. That's go. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, we do have the skeleton key, which is featured within this. It's beautiful. And interesting for Batman 1966, they do an insert shot to show you the skeleton key up close. You never see insert shots in this show much. All right. It's very rare. It's always very sort of static. It's such an intricate skeleton. It was a beautifully made key. It's a great prop. <laughs> I don't remember these shots. <laughs> what, what, what happened? There's just an insert shot where you see the skeleton key up close where they don't usually do those shots very often. It's always... Apparently all the locks were changed in the police station and they had a bag of keys. And one of these keys is this magical little skeleton key. We, we were supposed to watch Batman, right? <laughs> that show. 
<laughs> it was right at the start. All right. Do you want some time machine to go back and watch it? Yeah, again? do you mind if we <laughs> take a quick break? Now, we are introduced to Mr. Ferguson, who's a very broad Scottish caricature. Hey, the Cape Crusader and the Boy Wonder. It's good to have you here. <laughs> what do you mean? All Scottish people are like that. Apparently, all wear kilts and get around like that. Now, I was thinking about this episode because we had one just a few weeks ago where you had a Native American gentleman of whom that was an incredibly broad stereotype and watching it felt a little bit offensive. But I was watching this Scottish guy and I wasn't really feeling that offended by it. And I was trying to work out what was different about the two because both are incredibly offensive uh, caricatures. And I think there is something which in a show like this where you've got such big cartoonish aspects to the whole thing, you can kind of get away with the Scotsman in the kills and just looking sort of costumed up and larger than life. And I think it's because the Scottish aren't generally made fun of as part of that caricature. I mean, it's, it is a caricature, but like they're not diminished through the making fun. Like, that's sort of part of the joke in a way that I don't think the same would be true if it was, uh, say, an Asian person in sort of traditional Asian sort of wear or as we saw with the Native American Indian guy. That's an interesting question because it comes up in The um, the Simpsons also because... Uh, Apu. Apu is a more difficult stereotype to deal with, but Groundskeeper Willie, totally yeah. fine. And again, because I think the, the Indian people generally get made fun of their accent, whereas I think the Scottish, we sort of laugh with the Scots more. Maybe yeah, we like thing. it. We like that yeah. accent. I mean, also, maybe we're just in a horrible period still where we're making fun of this, where in 20 years' time from now, we'd look at these broad Scottish mm. characterizations as being hugely offensive. I think we can see it now and think it's silly. Obviously, yeah. Scottish people don't aren't so exaggerated, but it... But I mean, in 1992, we'd be saying the same thing about a poo guy. Oh, it's just a silly accent. Whereas we look at it now just thinking, oh, well, maybe this white guy shouldn't be doing a broad Indian accent. I've got an Irish friend and we make fun of his accent all the time. Yeah, to be sure, to be sure, you know, and bedado, bedado. And I'd take photos of leprechauns and send them to him. And, uh, you know. (laughs) That's harassment. (laughs) Sorry, I'm half Irish. I find that funny. (laughs) See, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's more that these uh, representations are true. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, no. Maybe Irish and Sorry, are you calling my people leprechauns? <laughs> is that what you're saying? Oh, well, you're quite short then. <laughs> but the only, the only thing caricaturish about... Um, Don't stop. Is this the first time your shortness has been addressed on the show? On the podcast. <laughs> I'm hanging these microphones. Uh, the only thing... If I can reach the... The only, th- <laughs> the only thing caricaturish about this character was he used some Gaelic. Yeah, it wasn't all that over the top. Like groundskeeper Willie is seriously, seriously exaggerated, but he also does weird stuff like ripping his shirt off all the time, like that kind of thing. <laughs> Scottish it, people don't do oiling that. himself up. Yeah. That's not a stereotype of Scottish people. It's just a weird thing that he does. Lunch, Lady Doris. Have uh, we got any grease? Yes, yes, we do. Then grease me up, woman. Now, can we address why this Scottish guy wants uh, some money? Eight million. $523 and a three-penny bit. What yeah, is that about? What's a three-penny bit? Well, well, I don't know what that is, but why, why is the exact amount? $8,523 and a three-penny bit. Well, I guess because he knows the value of the key. Is that it? Well, I guess I, so. I thought, I thought there was some sort of hidden meaning behind that. I don't know that people have the ability to be able to sue the city if something of theirs is stolen. Well, if the police, if they're, if they're derelict in their duty, well, probably. He was accusing Batman of stealing. If they Batman just let it happen. Yeah. But is Batman a member of the police force? I mean, I believe that he's been deputized. Mm. I felt like there were moments in this episode where finally Batman and Robin were being insulted in the way they should have been mm. when he called them mutton heads. <laughs> I thought that was very appropriate. Batman owned up to it, though. 
What did he say? The word uh, mutton heads was most unfortunate. It was right. Well, because he said, well, yeah, we've failed. Yeah. Yeah, but then the newscaster accuses them of standing by ineffectively, which is what they do in every episode, more (laughs) or less. I mean, they're terrible at this. The thing is, why are you calling out Batman and Robin for being ineffective while Chief O'Hara is actually Uh, claiming the public purse upstairs? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Definitely, I would blame the police first, Batman and Robin second. Mm. Yeah, yeah, always. Although, I wouldn't even blame all the police. You've got good police on the force like Sergeant O'Leary. It's Chief O'Hara upstairs. That's where the problem is. Who's Sergeant O'Leary? He's regularly in it. You've seen him around. They're all Irish. Yeah, well, it's the police. <laughs> um, I started noticing things that um, are happening more and more, and I'm becoming disturbed by them. Um, Batman and Robin are constantly taking pills to avoid some contraption. Which is weird, because Batman has said in previous episodes that he doesn't take medications. Yeah. he's an anti-vaxxer. He's a guy... <laughs> But he might be an anti-vaxxer, but he's a serious pill pop. He's got a pill problem because he's he's popping these things like it's candy. So in the previous episode, he claimed he didn't. Do you think he's just in denial? He must be. He it keeps admitting it whenever he pops a pill. Or maybe, it, yeah, definitely. It's a pill for everything, though. That's the amazing thing. And Joker is apparently was a hypnotist. So he's very good at it. Before, before he was a Joker. We learned this about the Joker. Yeah, a new bat oh, was he? Yeah. A professional hypnotist. Apparently. Well, well, he didn't say it was professional. He just said it was a hypnotist. Well, I was like, I could, I could is there any other kind? Well, this is the question. <laughs> I'm uh, just an amateur hypnotist. I'm just doing it on the side. Interesting moment in the episode where you've got Dick and Bruce sitting there watching the news report where they're being called dunderheads by the news presenter. And they're there ready to flip the news off or as Bruce calls it, rumors. Turns it <laughs> off. <laughs> Bit of that fake news going on. Uh, it turns it off to watch the Green Hornet cross promotion yes and that's when the joker comes on the tv somehow i don't know how that happened coming to you through your key station via my high power jamming system and you hear the green hornet theme song play which is bending reality because we've already seen the green hornet and his sidekick kato in a previous episode it also appears to be some sort of reference or perhaps it was that's the inspiration for um the batman movies joker on tv telling people things it was cross-promotion. Green Hornet was on TV at the time as well. Yeah, so by this stage, it's probably about like halfway through its season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the Green Hornet and Kato come back for a proper two-parter at uh-huh. the end of the season. Yeah, right. Yeah. I love the cross-promotion, though. And they did it all the way in, in comic books. You know, you're always cross-promoting between different titles, and I think this is just like jumping on that idea. Absolutely. And another cross-promotion that took place, so the 66 Batman show aired on ABC in the US, when Batman and Robin are walking up the building, uh, there's that detective who shoves his head out. Now, he's a detective from another show. Uh, this was a series that used to air called The Felony Squad. and The, the actor Felony was Squad? The Felony Squad. Uh, the actor was Howard Duff, and he was playing the character Detective Sam Hillary Stone. Duff? <laughs> Howard Maybe they're Duff. related. They're related? <laughs> I don't think Hillary Duff is related here. Uh, played Detective Sam Stone. The show ran for three seasons and was the inspiration for Police Squad. The well, great series Leslie Nielsen. We talked about. He talk, oh, you talked about this in another episode where there's only one step away from being Leslie Nielsen. And look, here we are. Yeah, it all comes full circle. What's the name of the show again? Uh, the show is called Felony Squad. I got to watch that show immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Run for three seasons, and so you have the crossover with him there. And I was reading up. I went into a Wikipedia hole when I was learning. I assume. This. Uh, but that show did another crossover with another series again, which I guess brings all these series into the Batman universe. Uh, but that show, which also I had no idea what it was, uh, also failed pretty quickly. 
It's a rich tapestry. It really is. I assume you didn't know who the guy was when you no. didn't recognize him. No, did you have Tony a guess? Squad. I mean, I knew what that was your somebody. first guess. Oh, I just assumed it was a show which I went with Dragnet. Relevance. Well, because one of the guys from Dragnet, um, I was going to say his name's Ben Alexander. Jason uh, Alexander. Jason Alexander, who <laughs> has become George in Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, ben Alexander was a cast member of both Dragnet and Felony Squad. There you go. And Felony Squad, because he was part of that cast when uh, Dragnet came back in 1966, he wasn't able to join that cast because he was already on this other terrible TV show. It all comes full circle. I was doing a lot of work today, Nick. Yeah, good <laughs> Lord. Yeah. I always see those heads coming out of the screen. I'm, you don't usually know who they are. Of course, there's a few famous ones that have popped up out of the Sammy Davis episodes. Jr. Exactly. Um, Bruce I, Lee a few weeks back as the as Kato. Yeah. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah, you were here for that episode. No, it yeah. doesn't sound right. <laughs> doesn't sound like you were here, though. No. You know? Maybe. You had I, was, I, I had taken oh, too many of those anti-hypnosis pills <laughs> for my back. Hey, question. When they were in the room above the Joker's uh, lair, there's the scene where, gosh, what's the character's name? Uh, her name was Cornelia. Cornelia. Mm. She's talking to the Joker about the place they were in. It looks like a fairly divey hotel room. Yeah. And she's like, It's a cool pad, Joker. Cool pad, Joker. It does not look cool. All you've seen of this cool pad, Cornelia, is that mirror. Vanity's a waste of time. No. No, she's wrong. Yeah. I love the term pad, though. It's just such a 60s, 70s term. I still use it today. I like that she also busted out Daddy-O later yeah. on. That was great. <laughs> which is a cool young person, which is why she's always looking at herself in mirrors. Can we talk about this poor woman for a second? Yes. Well, I suppose the old fuddy-duddy, the Joker. Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> I, I just don't understand what these characters get out of this relationship. Is it kind of like in... Cause we're trying to stretch back like 50 years now, and times are different then. Is it kind wait, of like wait, today? Whoa, whoa, Times are different then? (laughs) They were different. So these days, I think it's the same equivalent as young people entering the workforce and they're encouraged to become like an intern for like 10 weeks with a media company where they don't get paid for extensive digital content like work. Apprenticeship, you're saying? Yeah. So To be bad bad women when they get older. I think I've just answered an ad and it's just gone (laughs) pear-shaped. Women always like the bad boy too, right? Oh, well, I mean, there's that. Isn't that how it works? And yet they still seem so drawn to Batman, who there is no more noble and pure person. They should have done a reunion show with all of these moles, and uh, they get to complain to Batman and Ro- or everybody, the creators, everybody, about what horrible characters they had to play. Okay, let's talk about Kathy Kirsch, who played Cornelia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very important actress. Now, Nick, you were doing some research on her. You're like, this lady, she hasn't really done anything particularly of note. You yeah. obviously went past the Beverly Hillbillies uh, four episodes she was well, in. Well, yeah, bit roles. You went past Burke's Law. You know, you skip past um, that. I would never go past Burke's Law. Kathy Kirsch, hugely important to Batman 1966. She met a young actor on the set of this named <gasps> one, Burt Ward. Mm-hmm. Burt Ward ends up leaving his wife, gets married to Kathy Kirsch. Quickie divorce. Months later, this episode aired in November, presumably shot like a month or two prior. He's married to her by February 67. Holy yeah. divorce, Batman. Only now, lasted a couple of years. That's it. So the wedding only lasted, I think it was, yeah, like two years. And then, you know, they were both moving on to other ventures. That's and, incredible. How long was he with his wife? Uh, I don't have that written down. Do you think they, they, you remember were, it. they were attracted by their acting prowess? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, the <laughs> two of them, both are just magnetic on screen. Her favorite line, my favorite line of hers is, though, no mirrors make me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> now that I did was think, pretty good. <laughs> while I was watching her, she gets around in a purple bodysuit a fair bit. It looks very much like it's a prototype for the Batgirl costume, which you see in season three of the show. Well, the Catwoman's outfit is a similar glittery- Yeah, good point. Um, black, but it's black. Yeah. What is that same- material? Uh, it's a 60s thing. Velvet? Materials are different back then. <laughs> <laughs> back then. Everything was different back then. Gosh. It has to be the epitome of laziness that all they give her to do is stare in a mirror. I got, I got a, a great idea for this character. She's just going to be staring into a mirror, just looking at herself. But you did get the point that there was two angles of her in every, every shot. What? Well, there's a mirror. So you see the mirror shot and her shot. Oh. It was a bit sneaky. Oh, wait, you know what else I noticed? Too. That makes me a really um, incredibly astute uh, viewer of television. The bad guy scenes are um, tilted. Yeah, this has been happening Cameras since the beginning. Tilted. Yeah. yeah. Just so, realize that. <laughs> all the bad guy scenes on an angle, all yeah. the good guy scenes, straight. Narrow. Yeah. Yeah. Just realize that. Yeah. Magic of cinematography. What do you think of that, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> okay. A couple of quick things we need to address before we wrap this conversation up. Alfred. So Amazing accent work. Okay. First of all, Alan Napier does some fantastic work in this episode. Um, so we see Alfred introducing the bat cycle. Sorry, the Alf cycle. The Alf cycle with a two-way Alf radio. Yeah. And he just rides it out of the bat cave. Now, when I watched the <laughs> Batmobile go flying out of the bat cave as it passes the, what is it, 55 miles to Gotham? 35? Yes. 35 miles? Maybe. Yeah. It's a five. I, I haven't noticed. There's no sign. There is. <laughs> there is a sign. I've seen a sign. But they go flying out of the back cave. It's fast because you want to get that rock back up there before anyone, less than anyone sees what's going on. Alfred, like, what's he doing? Just casually riding out? Like, that's a five-minute process. I have to say, I do appreciate the new, the newer movies making it a little bit harder to get in and out of the bat cave. It makes a little more sense rather than just going through some shrubbery. After, like an afternoon hike? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was always a, a mirage, wasn't it? Like a hologram. The wall of the bat cave? Well, yeah, that was in Is the Burton a- yeah. films. Yeah. But it, later on, he has to jump through a waterfall or something? <laughs> how, does he, how does the Batmobile get into the bat cave? Yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. It was a waterfall at one point. But maybe that was a hologram waterfall. I don't know. Hey, speaking of the new movies, I noticed nobody reacted to the connection I made to the Batman Tim Burton movie. There were a couple of references in, this, in these episodes. Yeah, well, you were talking about the Joker on the TV earlier. Yeah. yeah you weren't like, impressed that I noticed good. that. And also... The Cornelia says, we've got a live one. Oh, my gosh. And that's what the Joker says. Did she say Batman that? I didn't when, she, when he shakes what's-his-face's hand yeah. and kills him. What's the matter with you? You're not into this stuff? I miss that. Sorry, what's, what's a Batman? <laughs> <laughs> I love it when they're climbing up the walls. They come in the window. Cornelia's there. She's like, oh, I'll go get him for you. Oh, they, the name Avio Unk or something, Clavia Unk. Yep. And she goes, who should I say is calling? And they like look at each other, Batman and Robin, like, um, Batman and Robin? I love it when the show does that. There's, there are a few moments of ever, when Batman calls somebody and they say, who? <laughs> Batman. A lot of that stuff's funny. Well, on last week's episode with Mr. Freeze, uh, Batman referred to himself as an everyday citizen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's pretty good. Okay, so you've got Alfred. He's got the Alf cycle. Uh, he ends up meeting up with his cousin Egbert, Eggy. Twin cousin. Eggy or Eggy? Well, I was looking it up and it was like Egbert, but like I thought oh. he said Iggy as well. So, But it's Eggy. Yeah. His well, accent was all over the place. Very much so. But he's playing two roles and Alan Napier, I bought him as two individual people in the scene. Could you just, what kind of accent was that that he was doing? It wasn't strictly Cockney. Sorry, baby. My name's Eggy. I'm the night security man. No. And it wasn't Scottish. 
It was something. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. how'd they do that? Had a, a screen behind and then him in front, right? Yeah. So they filmed two separate scenes and then, and then put them together. together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, Have you guys noticed that whenever there's a bad guy on screen, it's at an angle? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting scene where Iggy and Alfred are conversing because he's obviously come up with the excuse as to why Iggy ends up needing to leave and Alfred's going to be dressing up as him. So that's, you know, all take place. But he convinced them that he's got to head off to oh, go to the Follies. Okay, but when he's going, he says to make sure that you say to Tassel's Laverne, say hello from me. That's a stripper, right? <laughs> well, this is what I'm thinking. So what's Alfred up to in the after hours? Oh like in Batman God. After Dark. If I'm saying is Tassel's been involved earlier? We've never seen Tassel's Laverne before. Who is Tassel's Laverne? I don't know, but if you down there, say hi for Alfred. I will. This sly old dog. <laughs> Yeah, that was very disturbing. Someone, someone thought he was maybe homosexual. I don't think he is. I think he's a real ladies' man. Is that yeah. Well, yeah. Unless Tassels is a man. <laughs> what sort of man gets around named Tassels? Well, it was a different time. That's a good point. I also noticed that uh, the Joker... I've been trying to figure out his uh, cadence, you know, what, why he talks, what, what it is about the way he's talking. And um, he's just heavily rolling his R's. Constantly. Crafty. What does he say? The craftiest caper of my career. Yeah. Sounds almost Scottish the way I do it. (laughs) But that's not the way it comes off on the show. But anyway. And I can start planning the craftiest caper of my career. (laughs) Just seemed like uh, something really impressive the listeners would be into. I mean, I do notice everything in the show is very paced. You know, obviously Adam West talks very slowly. And I feel like it's almost like at the start of the show, like we haven't got enough script. So we want you to talk really yeah, slow slowly. Down. So Wait, the, slow it down. Yeah. <laughs> We're going too fast. We're going to run out of time. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, there's, a real, there's a real pace to the, to the dialogue, I feel like, from all the characters. Like someone's sitting there going, okay, no, slow it down. Roll your R's. Make it different. But I don't you, know. Have, you have to understand. So when West is doing, he's really from the Shatner school of presentation on screen. But when Burt Ward's doing, he's just trying to remember his lines. <laughs> yes. I was going to ask this and Star Trek aired at the same time. So it's not yeah. like Adam West would be basing his performance on um, Sh- William Shatner. Kirk, Kirk Cameron's. <laughs> Kirk Cameron. William Shatner's, Captain Kirk's. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, no one's left behind in this. What you need to maybe appreciate, see what I did there? Oh, yeah, I liked it. What you need to appreciate is it's the same era. So I'm presuming that there was just something about the way the actors are right, performing right. on screen. I mean, outside of West and Shatner, I can't think of anyone else really doing it. But Even going so. up, then getting softer. Yeah. That is very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it could be that he's just seen Shatner's work before and he's just modeled it a little bit on it. It's not like Shatner just came out of the womb and appeared in 66 Star Trek. It was a different time. <laughs> Again. So in this episode, is the Joker proven to be a god with his time machine? Yes. We haven't discussed the time machine. Yes, this is an amazing invention. Yeah. Why, why didn't he just painted it, make $10 million from the patent, yeah. and he just invented the, the best machine ever? Well, he, or at least do something, do a little more with it than just uh, turn back what goes on in the commissioner's office. Exactly. Like, you can commit all sorts of crimes with this yeah, thing. Serious yeah. crimes. Let's see, ransoming. It's absolutely crazy. He could have murdered entire populations. <laughs> He's a but killer. But all he does all. is just speed people up, speed up the traffic a little bit, slow it down, speed it up, slow it down. And only when you point it at certain people. Yeah. That, that, those people there, they can stop them. I can stop the people on the street. I can make them go backwards. It's just them, just them, that little area. 
Yeah, but even so, these are people like the other side of town. I don't know how he's doing it hypnotically. Did you notice how it went all Twin Peaks? The only one time where she spoke I, backwards. I was going to say, like yeah. when Alfred versus Cornelia, it gets very sort of uh, Black Bear Lodge. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And it sounded like she said something like gargoyle backwards. I was trying to work it out what I was saying. Where's your Gargoyle 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 what if it, it's one of those uh, Paul McCartney things, uh, like on, with the Beatles, the Paul is dead business? Should we find out Batman is dead? Yeah, what if it's Batman is dead? Or if it's a secret recipe? So we're going to find all the herbs and spices. <laughs> Wasn't it Black Sabbath who did backwards, like satanic lyrics, backwards in their songs and stuff did like they? that? Yeah. Because we've got the advanced technologies here of SBS, we've actually managed to get the audio and we're going to play it backwards so we can hear it properly. Uh, this is what our producer Jeremy found early this afternoon. That silly old bark. That silly old bark. That's a lot less cool than (laughs) what we were just talking about. Here's the thing. We can accept the fact that there's some sort of hypnotism taking place here. I'm willing to go out on a limb and say, okay, Batman 66, I will accept that there is hypnotism taking place Mm -hmm. that is somehow traversing the distance of, you know, space time. Except... When he turns her back in time, he turns her into a little girl. Yeah. There's no level of hypnotism, which is turning someone into a little girl. This is time travel, Dan. <laughs> Don't question time travel with a little box and a key. You know what? I'm done. I'm questioning. What whoa. if... Uh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Take it easy. You can't see it at home, but Dan just got up out of his seat. <laughs> I'm pacing. Um what if this is a um, the creators meant for this to be kind of a looper type situation where you're not supposed to question, you're just supposed to kind of go with it. So is Bruce Willis turning up soon to murder poor Ally Napier? Doesn't Bruce Willis play the little girl that she turns into? Mommy. Each week on the show, we do like to talk to our guests about their own personal Batman. Mick, Batman, I know that you're excited to be on this podcast. Oh. Is so it because you're a Batman guy? Is that it? Or are you just excited about Batman land? And I hope it's the latter. Were you excited just to meet Dan? Oh, I was excited to meet Dan. Uh, but I was excited about Batman because I've loved Batman since I was like three or four. Yeah. There's a photo of me yeah. as a little kid wearing a Batman outfit that I probably got the Easter show or something like that. I dug it. So my original Batman was this 66, 67 Batman. How were you watching it? Do you remember? Uh, it would have been on TV. We're talking like early 80s, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so Batman was that Batman. That was the original Batman. But then I, I got a comic. I'm pretty sure I got the comic when I got that costume. And then I started getting into the comics, particularly late 80s, early 90s. Which is a, like a golden time for Batman. Oh, it was amazing. And uh, that's probably where Batman really progressed the most in the entire history of the character. Because mm. you had Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, which rejuvenated the idea of Batman as this very dark character. I mean, in the 70s with Denny O'Neill, who became a darker character. But it's really that mid-80s where that happened. But then they kill off the, Ro- uh, the Robin character, and it becomes like this real sort of interesting oh, real dark. And, and Batman, obviously... Is haunted by Robin and what happened and just his character develops in such a way and for me it was all about the artwork as well and there was a favourite artist Norm Brayfogle who did the mm. late 80s early 90s Batmans and started the Shadow of the Bat and I was just obsessed with his image of Batman he had sort of no eyes sort of quite dark still the blue but I just really really love that image of Batman and, that, and then the movie the first movie came out and then you know the rule sort of rolled on from there but yeah I still go back to the original Old school. Do you remember that first comic you got? Do you remember what it was? Oh, 
No, I do not remember. That's a good question. Uh, I, I would have read it a million times, but yeah. then my parents saw I loved it and they started getting other ones. So I can't remember which exact one I got. And it's weird because there's a whole bunch of kids. So, I mean, I probably came just a few years after you with the comics at the time. And like they're really dark and bleak comics. Hmm. But, you know, parents are just buying them for their kids because it's <laughs> Batman. There's no reason that kids should be reading things this dark. No, it's right. I mean, comics were pretty full on and you get some edgy sort of, um, you know, Robin. Scenes, like murdering scenes. Well, I was going to say, scenes. Robin was brutally murdered with a crowbar by the Joker. Yeah, yeah. it was full on. I'm sure that was pushing the limits of the, uh, what do they call it, the comic association. Oh, the comics code. The comic code, yeah, yeah, but they can get away with a lot more nowadays. How's my everyday life, though? Crowbar beatings <laughs> really? on the way to school, yeah. Maybe the man you are today. Sure. <laughs> uh, but the comic code, so that was the thing that came in in the 50s onwards, and it was like a self-governing code to make sure that all the comics were, you know, meeting socially accepted standards. They've actually ditched the comic code. That hasn't been around now for about like 15 years. Wait, wow. what's the comics code? So in the 1950s, there was a guy named Dr. Frederick Wortham who had like, I think it even led to like Senate inquiries as to, you know, whether or not comics are perverting the kids of America. Is this related to the Wonder Woman business? Uh, I, I'm or sure was that Wonder, a specific Wonder Woman thing. probably ties into it to a certain degree because that was all about BDSM yeah. in the initial early versions of the comics. I think that a lot of the BDSM stuff had worked its way out of the comics by the time that Wortham came along, but there might be some crossover. I'm okay. not too sure there. Uh, but basically he came along and really questioned whether or not comics were appropriate for kids to be reading. And so it severely upset the amount of comics that were being sold in America. And that's where the erosion, I guess, of comics being part of just youth culture disappeared somewhat. Oh, they got more adult. Yeah. I mean, it became more sort of, I guess, teenage orientated than okay. being for, you know, yep, gotcha. five-year-old kids. Right. I didn't realize it was a self-governing code. And yeah. then I mean, they I think got it's self-governing. It. I could be slightly wrong in that. But mm. like, if it's not, then it's like some small office somewhere that's not really doing much. The Wonder Woman saga makes it seem like there was a government, not agency, but that it was somehow a government uh, investigation into Wonder Woman and how it was that's me. warping like, children. That sounds like Wortham. Yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing that you saw that movie. Yeah, the professor and um, Professor Marsden, Professor Blimp, and uh, <laughs> no, the we, professor and the and his Wonder Woman and his Wonder Woman. That sounds Something right. Like that. Great movie. I really liked it. Yeah, and that's of course about the creation by William Martin Molesden, Marsden, 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 Martin Molesden, Martin Mull. Martin Mull uh, invented yeah. Wonder Woman. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> Do people even know who Martin Mull is? Well, they should. He's wonderful. Yeah. He's in a global treasure. Yeah. Uh, so when you think of Batman, who do you think of? Adam West. Really? You yeah, go, no, I, I really do. That's like, fantastic. That's my first childhood memories of Batman were Adam West and his ridiculous depiction of but Batman. But you're embracing all the darkness. Yeah. You don't, so you don't, well, you you don't prefer the, um, the Christian Bales and the Michael Keaton... I, I loved Christian Bale as Batman. If we're looking at the modern movies, I actually preferred Christian Bale to the Michael Keaton one just oh. because he really was moody and he really bunged it on a lot. Mm -hmm. um, look, I'll go so far to say that I didn't even hate the George Clooney version. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Someone else it. expressed that opinion on it. this show. I forget who it was. <laughs> um, but I loved George Clooney at the time, so I just Big went ER fan. I can't get Batfleck, though. I just can't. <laughs> can't do it. That's interesting because almost everybody that we've talked to, when we ask that question, it's Michael Keaton. Everyone says Michael Keaton. Okay, well, yeah. here's the question. How old were you when the 1989 Batman came out? I was 13. Yeah. That's the perfect age. Like, I would have thought so. I've been reading uh, the comics for a couple of years, really getting into those. Yeah. But Do you remember liking the movie when it came out? 
Loved it. I was obsessed with it. I had the cards. I feel like I've still got them, the, the trading cards of the Batman movie. Right. Yeah. I got the soundtrack. I saw the movie multiple times at the flicks. Like, I was, I was fully obsessed by this stage. I saw um, Batman for my birthday, and uh, my mother got a bunch of my friends together. We all went to see it. We sat up in the, the balcony, and I was so into it, but I was also into disrupting other people's viewing experience <laughs> and when people were people started to leave before the movie was totally over and i screamed at somebody the movie's not over sit down that's the right <laughs> thing to do well, you're a cinephile at a young age something you would shout at people and i think i may have thrown some m&ms off the balcony <laughs> it's terrible that could hurt like, were they not enjoying the movie? Because... I don't know. Like, maybe if they stuck to the end, they'd enjoy it more. Because as Batman says in this episode, like Muhammad, they must wait until the mountain comes back to them again. What? When did he say that? You should, you should pay <laughs> more attention to these episodes. Because <laughs> they're waiting to find out where the joke is hiding, and they're like, well... The What's the quote the again? Like comes- Muhammad. Like Muhammad. We must wait until the mountain comes to us again. Amazing. Yeah. So philosophical. Just rewinding to the Batman, the original Batman movie, the, the one thing that always Sorry, rewinding me, or twisting the time, key? <laughs> time traveling back 30 seconds. I could never get over the fact, spoilers, that they killed the Joker off in the very first Batman episode, though, yeah. a movie, which was just ridiculous because he never dies. He does not die. So why would you kill him off in that movie? Well, I mean, also Batman doesn't kill people, but he murders a whole bunch of people <laughs> in that movie. Oh, sure <laughs> does. So if I was trying to be a traditionalist and loving Batman and, and what he was all about, that movie didn't quite continue on with the comic books and how it should have been. Mm. So I've got a problem with that. And that's why probably my, my Michael well, they, Keaton. They correct that later on, right? He doesn't kill him. He just leaves him dangling in um, The Dark Knight. He, he doesn't really kill them again. But in that first Tim Burton movie, he's just throwing guys off yeah, like one hour. Straight up murder. Yeah. Yeah, you don't realize. It's crazy. Um, you got a little sad there, Mick. Are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> Everything all right? Just, just thinking back to my, my younger days. Do you still read the comics now? Look, I don't know. I, I do go back and actually read those old ones now and then just to relive my youth. But oh, look, I'd go to the comic shop now and then flick through the newbies and just sort of see where they're up to. But to say I've actually bought a Batman comic probably hasn't It's been 10 years since I bought one. I, have, I don't read the keep up with the comics, but sometimes I'll buy a graphic novel. Mm. Yeah, I get the graphic novels there. now and then for sure. Um, yeah. I like the when they've I think Kevin Smith did one a couple of series of, about 10 years ago. Love Kevin Smith, love Batman. Wanted to see what he did with it. It was pretty bad, but, you know. <laughs> that was the common consensus. Yeah, but, you know, I still liked the Kevin Smithiness of it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't buy the, the weeklies or the monthlies anymore. What's your favorite Batman movie? Favorite ever? Yeah. Uh, Dark Knight. Have you seen the 66 one? Oh, yeah, back in the day. Okay. Yeah, the, 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 with everyone in it. That was fantastic. The feature yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. But Which one did you say? The, the George Clooney one? Mm. All right. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> We wrap up every episode with our learnings from this week. Uh, Nicholas Bassine, what did you learn from Batman this week? I learned um, we all ponder the nature of time. And Batman in particular ruminates, he thinks a lot about time. And, um, and when he says, how little do we know of time, Alfred? A one-syllable word, a noun, yesterday's laughter, tomorrow's tears. I'm completely befuddled by what the hell he's talking about. But I know that it has something to do with the nature of time. So deep. Very deep. I'm just lost. In, <laughs> it was an amazing way to finish the well, episode. Well, like these episodes, I've said absolutely nothing. <laughs> what about you, Mick? Michael, what did you learn? Always have a spare key in your utility belt, just in case, A, 
you lock yourself out of the house, but B, you need to escape from some ridiculous chainsaw key making machine because that was amazing. Using a key to escape a key machine was serendipity. Okay, well, I'm really frustrated because that was my learning for this week oh, as well. Got him. <laughs> but I guess that just makes it a really good lesson. So, kids, and also, I mean... No, come up with your ba- own. Batman was saying that he has the key on him because they need like, occasionally get locked out. Yeah. What are they getting locked out of? The Batcave? The stately Wayne Manor? Well, isn't Alfred always home? You let him in. He doesn't I need the key. So. And if he's not around, like out, maybe he's out doing some errands or something, like yeah. or hanging out with Tassel's <laughs> McGee or whatever her name was. <laughs> Tassel's Laverne. <laughs> Uh, like surely Aunt Harriet's around. Tassels. Yeah. Now those tassels are theoretically. Where are those tassels? <laughs> you know where those tassels are, Nick. <laughs> this is a children's program. This is a children's podcast. That's right. Not necessarily for children. I'm just saying the three of us yeah, are it was children. run by children. Yeah. yeah. Folks, this has been Batman Land. You can obviously track us all down on the various Twitters and social media networks of your choice. Uh, Nick, you're on the Twitter. I'm at Tassels McGee. Yeah. It's Nick the C. Mick, we can find you on the radio at 2SER on Wednesday afternoon drive. Wednesday drive? Yeah. 2SER radio. I also write a bunch of uh, articles about music and gigs and artists and stuff. Where? But, uh, Where can we find that writing? Themusic.com.au, lunchboxtv.com.au. I write for them. But also just catch me on Twitter, Mick Rad. Yeah. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at the Dan Barrett. If you're on the Twitter, though, or Facebook, even, you can use hashtags. Hashtag Batman Land helps people follow the very vibrant conversation out there about Batman. <laughs> so, hashtag Batman Land. Leave reviews, helps people find the show. And I actually made a decision this year because I hear people say that on podcasts all the time. I've said it on every podcast I've recorded for the last 15 years. I say that and I never do it. I have not left any reviews anywhere. So my new year resolution was to go to every single podcast I listen to oh, and leave a review. Good for you. Yeah. That's great. Well, I should do that as well. I, 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 I think I've left a review somewhere once. Maybe. Yeah. I think I'll have to review for... Anyway, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, dodgy podcasts like Nick or legitimate ones like Batman Land, leave reviews, helps other people find and hopefully enjoy the show. Guys, thank you very much for stopping by Batman Land. Huge thanks to Jeremy, our producer. We'll be back next week with a episode featuring everyone's favourite villain, Marsha, the Queen of Diamonds. Not Marsha. Yeah, Marsha, the Marcia. Queen of Diamonds, um, played by Carolyn Jones. Who's that? Well, she played Morticia Adams in The Adams Family, Holy making her the shit. second Adams Family regular to make an appearance in here. The first one being who, Nick? Uh, Christina Ricci. Sadly not. What? Well, I don't think what she was, was the question. Which other Adams Family cast member has made an appearance? Oh, Batman. Gomez. No, he hasn't been in it yet. That's later on in the season. The tall guy. Lurch. Thing. Lurch. Thing is the hand. <laughs> Jeez, Nick. Um, Christina Ricci. <laughs> Folks, we'll catch you next week. Same Batman Land time, same Batman Land channel.